Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined by Travis Ryer the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get Talking Tide wherever you like to get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And, of course, we are live on Facebook and YouTube twice weekly in the fall, covering Alabama football as well. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. That's the uh, T-A-L-K-I-N. By the way, we dropped that G here at Talking Tide. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe on YouTube. We'll take you right through the remainder of this 2023 Alabama football season. Quickly want to thank our two fine local sponsors, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Government Square. More on both of them a little bit later. But first, Travis, we jump into an Alabama-UK preview. been a while since Alabama's been to Lexington. They don't get over there a whole lot, uh, but they go in – Eight and one now on the season, six and zero oh in SEC play. Coming off that big home win over the LSU Tigers, the SEC West is Alabama's for the taking. If they can win this game at Kroger Field, Kentucky comes in six and three on the year, three and three in the league after a five and zero oh start that we quickly mentioned before we got started here, Travis. And it's it's looking like a a, a bit of a come apart in Kentucky. And we've seen this before at UK where they've come out like a house on fire and uh, they fall apart like a house on fire late. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the way it's going at UK this year. Yeah. Mark Stoops, though, has done a great job. I think this is the eighth straight year with bowl eligibility for UK. And if we're being totally honest, if you do that on an annual basis, you can pretty much coach – uh, football in Lexington as long as you want to, um, but it has, and especially when you consider that you know the losses, two of the three came at Kroger Field, a place where Kentucky's been sneaky good there uh, in recent years, especially under Stoops and uh, the Georgia loss. I think we all saw that coming. You know that that, that game was tempted to be hyped as the SEC Eastern Division title. Uh, Kentucky just not enough for Georgia, but to come back home and then lose a couple in a row to Missouri and Tennessee, I think that qualifies as disappointing. So really important in a couple ways for Kentucky to go on the road last week to Starkville and get a much needed win against Mississippi state, but no doubt the competition, uh, the level of the guy on the opposite side goes up a good bit once again this week. 
little bit of shine has come off of that Kentucky win over Florida too, with what's happened to the Gators, Travis, this year as well. It has, and that was a game, boy. We're going to talk about Ray Davis. I know the Kentucky running back, but that was disheartening for Florida because Kentucky just came out in like two tight ends and pushed Florida all over the place. And that was one of those early kickoffs too. So something to consider with Alabama uh, and that 11 a.m. Central kick on Saturday morning. Yeah, Justin Aboibe saying earlier this week that uh, the alarms go off at 6 for the boys when it's an 11 a.m. kick. Said they don't go to bed any earlier. Said it's a 10.30 curfew regardless. Uh, but uh, 6 o'clock, they're up and up and running for an 11 a.m. kick, uh, eating that pregame meal around 7, he said. So, yeah, no doubt an early start. Uh, not a lot of 11 a.m. Ki- kicks for Alabama uh, generally, but they'll get started early in this one. Travis, we look at the Alabama offense really quickly, I guess hitting somewhat of a stride after putting up 42 points against LSU, particularly on the offensive line, some improvement there for sure. We've seen some improvement from Jalen Milrow as well. And and uh, yeah, I think the Alabama running, as, much, as important as it'll be for Alabama's defense to slow down that Kentucky rushing attack, Alabama's got to keep the momentum going uh, from what I think was a season high, 288 rushing yards against LSU, do well on the ground themselves. Yeah, both these teams are going to look to be physical from the outset, at least give it a shot. Uh, Alabama, as you said, with the elevated play along that offensive line to go along with the backs, and also the tight ends have been good uh, in that regard, too. And as much as anything, what Alabama hasn't done, too, is put itself in harm's way via the turnover. You know, they've been pretty good as far as taking care of the ball. And when I think about a game like this one, it really boils down to the start, the first quarter. You know, if Alabama goes up there, takes care of the football, even if it doesn't score in the first quarter, uh, but makes Kentucky play the long field, and doesn't help the Wildcats give that crowd, that early arriving crowd, reason to really stay in the game throughout, uh, Alabama should be fine. But, you know, there's also a reason why Alabama's only, what, 10, 10 and a half point favorite in this game. It's because there's still a perception out there, at least, that still need to see a little bit more from Alabama. This, this team hasn't earned the betting trust, I guess of some of the teams before it, Alabama in some situations like this would go on the road, be 24, 25 point favorites. You know, the, the, this team hasn't been deemed of that just yet. I think Alabama lost a lot of that betting trust last season because last year when they played so many close games, they got that big number. They were the heavy favorite a lot of times. Vegas got burned on out. Al- Alabama did not cover the spread well at all last year, played a lot of those close games. As we know, they, uh, they lost two, but even some of the ones they won were tight. A- I'm talking about 2022 here. A&M was tight. Ole Miss was tight. Several mm-hmm. tight games on top of a couple of losses. And so this year, yeah, and we'll, and we'll talk about the Vegas man uh, a little bit later. But, yeah, this year I, I think I think the odds makers have been a little reticent to make Alabama huge favorites this season, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's a weird game, too, to go up there in November. That's just not something Alabama has done traditionally in the past when making that that uh, once-in-a-while trip to uh, the Commonwealth. So it, it's a different spot. You know, 
this this game though, what it feels like, and I think I've said this in the past too. To me, Mark Stoops, Kentucky is a lot like Dan Mullen, Mississippi State. You know, may not win 10, 11, 12 games a year. 2014 was kind of an outlier for Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, but every year you could count on state being seven, eight, nine wins. Yeah. Make it to a bowl game. And in most years, you would have Alabama LSU one week, and then Alabama Mississippi State would be the next week. Like Alabama would play LSU at home, but then go to Starkville the next week. And you always wondered about Alabama in those situations coming off LSU. So there's some there's some Dan Mullen Mississippi State vibes I get from this uh, this trip too. And and in some years Alabama went over to Starkville and put a pretty good hammer on state. And there were some years like 2017 when it had to escape with its lives uh, coming out of there. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, uh, speaking of Alabama on the defensive side of the ball, Travis, real quick injury update for our listeners and viewers. Doesn't sound good for Deontay Lawson or Jalen Key to play against the Wildcats. Nick Saban confirming uh, just a couple of hours ago that they have not really been able to practice. As we've talked about many times, you don't practice on Wednesday. Uh, you're doubtful at best uh, for Saturday. So uh, expect to see Jihad Campbell and Tresman Marshall at those inside spots against Kentucky, Travis. That's what it sounds like. And, boy, first thing you got to do this week is tackle Ray Davis. And uh, you look at him, he's not the most physically impressive guy. He's compact. Uh, he runs especially hard. He likes to bounce it to the outside, but he'll also, when you get to where you're overplaying that, maybe all of a sudden he'll cut back and, you know, your backside inside linebacker better be at home because he can hurt you that way too. Also a pretty good receiver, uh, several touchdown catches on the season. So uh, you look at just SEC play too. He's been really, really effective. And this little bit of a malaise, I guess you could say that Kentucky has found itself in the numbers haven't been consistently as good, but I think when you hear Nick Saban make the comments he made after practice Wednesday, that's what he's talking about. First and foremost, defensively, you got to be ready for what you're going to see from that Kentucky run game. Yeah, Ray Davis is going to crack a thousand yards this year, sitting at 903 right now, conceivably could crack it against Alabama if, if they're able to open up some holes up front. 6.1 yards per carry on the year for Ray Davis, nine rushing touchdowns. And one thing of note about this Alabama, excuse me, this Kentucky running game, Travis, is Mark Stoops doesn't have that platoon philosophy in the backfield that Nick Saban does, right? I mean, I mean Ray Davis, uh, he's got 148 carries on the year. That's way more than any other running back on that Kentucky roster. It was no different when Chris Rodriguez was the lead back at Kentucky uh, before Davis. And so Stoops is a guy that that doesn't see doesn't quite see it Nick's way in, in terms of uh, – how to juggle a backfield. He's going to feed his horse for four quarters if he can. Yeah, and, you know, Alabama saw Ray Davis last season when he was with Vanderbilt in Tuscaloosa, 11 carries, 17 yards, but different offense, different defense for Alabama. I say Alabama saw Ray Davis, but, you know, your inside linebackers for much of last season were Jalen Moody and Henry uh, Toa Toa. So, I don't know if Trez Marshall saw Ray Davis when he was at Georgia. We know Jihad Campbell really hasn't. So uh, you can't benefit a whole lot 
Uh, I know you schemed a certain way for him, I'm sure, last year when he was with Vandy. But again, uh, he fits that offense well. I mean, they're going to try to hit, pound him, pound him, play action off of it to those explosive receivers. More more carries he gets, the better for Kentucky, bottom line. Because if Alabama uh, is able to do the job on him and put Kentucky in passing situations, he, he got you, know, you, you could, a guy like that can end up with 11, 12 carries if you're able to take him out of the game early enough. That's what Alabama wants to do. If he, if he totes at 20-plus, that tells you Kentucky's moving the sticks with him. So something to watch for sure. Uh, Devin Leary, the quarterback transfer from North Carolina State, not a great year, Travis. He's played okay in spots. I think he's flashed lately. Um, but uh, I don't th- frankly, he hadn't played quite as well as I thought he would have. And, and you know, the pass protection for Kentucky has been a lot better this year. He's only been sacked 13 times on the season. Last year, when it was Will Levis, Kentucky quarterbacks got sacked 47 times. 36 of those were Levis, uh, another 11, I guess, for other U.K. quarterbacks. And so it was a huge priority for Kentucky in the offseason to shore up pass protection. Looks like they've done that and brought in uh, a quality quarterback from North Carolina State. Just doesn't seem like he's quite clicked this year like I think UK was hoping for. You know, he's kind of the SEC Sam Hartman in some ways. Sam Hartman goes from Wake Forest to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame still has three losses this season. That was a heralded transfer. And, And I don't think Hartman's been terrible from what I can tell for Notre Dame, but just in terms of expectations and and what he could do for a team's chances, uh, that was some of what accompanied Devin Leary from the ACC uh, to his next stop. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, against Tennessee, lit the balls up pretty good. What was it, 372 and yeah. a couple of touchdowns? He's thrown a touchdown pass in every game this year. So uh, he has done that. But I hear you. It hasn't been the consistency, especially when you consider – that you've got guys like Tavian Robinson and um, Barry and Brown and the kind of guys that Kentucky has on the outside for um, Leary to work with. Thank he as well. They yeah. like to spread it around in that Kentucky offense. None of those receivers. Uh, it's not like a Ray Davis situation where every one guy is eating it all at, at, at the, from a receiving perspective. Uh, they definitely spread it around pretty good defensively for Kentucky, Travis, uh, Nick Saban noting earlier tonight that Kentucky likes to play a lot of zone, some soft zone. They don't like giving up big plays and they force quarterbacks to check the ball down, which really is not something Jalen Milrow has done a lot of for Alabama this year, Travis. There've been a lot of times where Jace McClellan has been sitting out flat pretty much by himself and uh, Milrow's, Push the ball down the field, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. And, of course, uh, he's taken off and, uh, uh, you know, broken off a lot of big runs, too. But he hadn't been much of a check down guy. And this is a game where he might be forced to check it down. Or you just implement some things this this week where his first read is literally almost a check down to get them out of that soft coverage. And another way that you deal with that is you run the football. You know, LSU really was intent last week on trying to take away the deep ball. And LSU had success with that. But LSU and keeping two safeties back a good bit, maybe even dropping out to cover three, cover four at times, was soft on the underbelly. And Alabama was able to take 
advantage of that, not only with the backs as the game wore on, but with what Jalen was able to do on the ground as well. All right, we'll take a look uh, at the spread. Uh, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Alabama favored by 10.5. The total is a little on the low side. The total for this game, 46 points out in Las Vegas. We'll start with the spread. Travis, I think I like Alabama to cover, uh, but this won't be my weekly official recommendation. I've pretty much stayed away from Alabama uh, with that weekly official rec, but I do think if I had to play this one way or the other, uh, give me Alabama laying the 10 and a half and give me the over on the 46. What about it? Yeah, you better be ready to sweat, I think. I think it's going to probably be right around that number um, unless Kentucky does some things or the Alabama defense produces a knot or a special teams touchdown, something like that. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be that type of game. And uh, I think from the point perspective, what I'm thinking is – pretty close to what the total is right now in Vegas. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm a I'm a little bit think I'm a little bit on Alabama laying the ten and a half and a little bit on the over. But I'm yeah. not in love all that much with either one. Nor am I. Uh we're we're on the same page there. The ticket man really quickly I jumped around line uh the internet to see what tickets are looking like in Lexington. It's a big one. If you're the Kentucky ticket man, Travis, it's a big one. Uh, you hope to you you because you know Alabama fans are going to be traveling, especially with championship hopes still alive. You would expect a lot of Kentucky fans to say, uh, "Hey, let's go let's go see the game this week because Alabama's coming to town, right?" Uh, so right now, anyway, the cheap seats in the upper decks at Kroger Field about a hundred bucks a pop in that neighborhood. You can get in uh, in the premium seats, lower bowl. In the $300 neighborhood, there's some club seats and uh, higher premium seats that people are still asking uh, $400, $500 for, uh, but not a lot of those. For $300, you could sit uh, in uh, a hell of a seat for this one. Yeah, that's more, though, along the lines of Publix prices than Kroger prices that I would expect. (laughs) So you're telling me something. I'm a little surprised they're that much. But, again, I think that it's a fan base that, very much aligned behind its head coach and uh, a great opportunity. Plus, you know, uh, I don't know, is, is is Kentucky Louisville in Louisville this year? Because not sure. If it's, if it's in Lexington, that that's another opera because Louisville's got it going yes. this year. So, well, even if you're the Lexington ticket man and that game's in Louisville, you make the trip over, you get in on some of that action. You know, you take the bourbon trail right over there, get in on some of that. <laughs> The ticket man likes those early online sales now. He doesn't like standing around in the corner an hour and a half before kickoff. And for a noon kickoff, those prices you're telling me, that's that's they're holding pretty well. I know we've still got a couple of days, but for a noon Eastern kickoff, 11 a.m. Yeah. Central, um, that's still a pretty good number, I'd say. That's where it's at on StubHub anyway. All right, we're going to tell you where it's at uh, in downtown Tuscaloosa, too. Heat Pizza Bar, fine sponsor of the program. Uh, great spot for you and your family. If you're looking for some great food, super atmosphere as well, flat screen TVs all over the place and the absolute best pizza in town over at heat pizza bar. I'm going to tell you about a couple of them that I've tried that I like a lot. One's the meat lovers. If you're going in there, uh, in the mood to knock down some protein, they've got a house red sauce on that meat lovers pizza with pepperoni, Italian sausage, bacon, and ham. Can't beat that four meats on that one. 
you're looking for something a little lighter on the lighter side, go with that margarita pizza. I've had that one too. It's an olive oil base, sliced mozzarella, sliced Roma tomato, and chopped basil. You can't go wrong with either one of them over at Heat Pizza Bar. And of course, they've always got some outstanding specials going on uh, for both cocktails and pizzas. Again, the address 2256th Street in downtown Government Square. It is Heat Pizza Bar. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa running those cake pops. They make the cake uh, right there in the store. I think it's pumpkin spice they've been doing here of late at Peterbrook Chocolates here in Tuscaloosa. Then hand dipping those cake pops into that famous Peterbrook chocolate right there in the store, fresh daily. And you're not going to beat that for a fall treat pumpkin spice all the rage this time of year to go along with that peterbrook chocolate yeah yeah that'll work peterbrook chocolatier 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa all right the talking tide podcast on the belly up podcast network the twitter feed talking underscore tide moving right along here in this uh midweek edition of the program we're going to look ahead at a couple of big southeastern conference games not all of them uh, but the top ones, it starts certainly, I think, with Ole Miss at Georgia, Travis. Uh, the Rebels coming in there, still sitting on just one loss here in almost mid-November. Uh, so uh, Lane Kiffin's off to a fine start this season. Tough task, of course, going to Georgia. The Bulldogs have got a 26-game win streak going. I think we touched on this uh, on the Sunday nighter. Uh, we both like Georgia at home. but. Ole Miss could give Alabama's, or excuse me, could give Georgia's defense a stern test. It could, you know, and I'll say this for Ole Miss. Jackson Dart isn't going to be afraid to go into Sanford Stadium and take his shot. Uh, it's a gutsy guy. Uh, we saw in Tuscaloosa uh, the effort that he gave there. Uh, just about got himself killed, it felt like, at times. So um, I think there's a couple of things with teams like Ole Miss this time of year. It, the, the difficulty comes in keeping your roster whole because of injuries and attrition and, you know, Ole Miss typically not being built in a way that, say, Georgia, Alabama are. Now, the transfer portals help some in that regard. You're able to augment your, yourself from a roster perspective. But, yeah, I still think at home uh, that's a little bit too much to ask of the Rebels. Tennessee at Mizzou. SEC East battle there. What you thinking there, Travis? Missouri's been uh, they've been solid. Of course, they weren't able to get it done against Georgia this past week, and uh, their other loss, I guess, was to LSU in a shootout. I think that LSU game was in Columbia, if I'm not mistaken. But they're hosting uh, the Vols. What do you make of that one? Yeah, it feels like Tennessee's played two road games all year to this point, and they lost both of them, Florida and Alabama. I right. know a couple of weeks ago, Tennessee did go to Kentucky and win, but I guess I just trust Missouri more right now, playing at home uh, than I do Tennessee on the road. Florida at the aforementioned LSU. What about that? Uh, LSU obviously trying to get the bounce back win at home. You wonder if airs come out of the sales a little bit for LSU. Travis, the loser of the Alabama-LSU game when the division is on the line. Sometimes sometimes the air does come out of the sales. Um, 
certainly happened to Alabama. If you want to go back to 2007, we've seen it happen to LSU a couple times as well. Uh, but the Gators uh, feels like the air has been out of that sale for a, a couple of weeks. So, uh, um, interesting opportunity for UF on the road. Yeah, it's a culture check, I think, for both teams. Uh, and that's why w- w- what you said about coming off a loss in that Alabama-LSU series, that's why I think the Ole Miss win for Alabama last year was its most impressive win of the season because lost that game in Baton Rouge, had to turn right around with pretty much everything off the table, go take on Ole Miss, and still got the job done. So, you know, Florida, again, from a culture perspective, you think about bowl eligibility for Billy Napier in his second year, you need to win either this one, you either need to win on the road at Missouri, uh, or you need to win at home against Florida State. And that's yeah. what Florida's got left to gain bowl eligibility. So I'm still going LSU. Sounds like Jaden Daniels is fine, going to play in the game. But this game could be could be a lot of fun. I think there could be you know, 35, 40 for the winner, low 30s for the loser, that type of game, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think when you're talking about Florida, gosh, the program seemed like it was on such a high after they got that win over Tennessee early in the season. And then ever since then, it's just completely come unglued on them. And now you feel like Billy Napier, despite getting over on Tennessee, which is huge for Florida fans, it's like he needs to pair it now, like you said, with something. What else you got for us by the end of the year? Uh, not just for bowl eligibility, uh, but like you said, a, a culture check kind of. And, and can they can they get a tough late win against a, a quality opponent when it's uh, when it's just kind of gone sour on them? Yeah, the recruiting rankings and all that for this 2024 class are very encouraging for Florida. But you're right, fans want to see something in November. You know, and you lose your first game in the month at home to Arkansas, who didn't have an SEC win prior to last Saturday. Right. And now you're looking at maybe an O for November. Uh, you know, that's tough. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, finally, we're going to take a quick dip into that two deep tumbler. We're down to just four balls left in the tumbler before we get out of here. We'll see who uh, comes out. What do we got here coming out of the <laughs> coming out of the tumbler? It's been a struggle, this tumbler. It's not gonna get easier. No, no. All right, Travis. This week we're coming up with uh number 28, which would be the JUCO transfer linebacker Justin Jefferson, whom we've not seen much of defensively. Certainly, he's played uh, I guess a little bit of special teams, but uh Thoughts on that pickup for Alabama, year one Juco guy. You know, Nick Saban said it. You go get those guys for immediate help. Hadn't been there really with Jefferson defensively, uh, but a good athlete and somebody who could turn around uh, with another year of eligibility and make a bigger impact next year. Yeah, he can run and he will hit you. Um, But even in the spring game, you saw some things where there was some refinement needed and some more, I guess you could say, familiarity with, not just the playbook, but taking it to the field. Um, I I thought he would be at least more of an impactful guy on special teams than maybe he's been to date. Uh, But you're right. There's still time. But but you also know in the transfer portal era, 
who knows what's right. going to happen with some guys after this season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this sort of progresses with him, not only as you move into the latter stages of the season, but certainly as you move into the offseason too. We're about a month away, roughly, from that transfer portal window officially opening. And when that happens, uh, I mean, they line up, Travis. They line up to get out. That window opens. It gets a mite bit drafty. <laughs> it's Love a little it. drafty. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us here on the midweek edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, Travis and I will be back for the Sunday nighter when we recap Alabama's road game at Kentucky. Until then, for Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you Sunday right here on Talking Tide.